Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I will be talking about choice. I will, of course, first define choice in this model and how to see it in a whole new way, a way that originates in the definition of choice itself. In this paradigm, we go to the origin of the word, its original meaning. The word choice comes from Old French for to choose, distinguish, discern, perceive, see, and it is related to to choose, taste, try. It's also related to free will. Interestingly enough, in its original meaning, two of our senses are incorporated, taste and vision. I will focus on its visual perceptual importance and describe the potential of choosing to see differently as well as the impact of that on not only the outcome of a situation, but also on our physiology, how choice influences outcomes and its relationship to true power. To help me today, my dear friend Rebecca Doring, a healer in her own right, has joined me for this topic. So welcome. Hi, Dana. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this topic today of choice. Ah, yeah. So you have a quote. I actually have two quotes. The first quote is, the fact of choice is deterministic. The outcome is not. And the second quote is, instead of making the assumption, make the observation. So in making an observation, it gives you the freedom to have choice. Okay, let's back up to the first quote. Tell me more about that quote. Can you put that into, like, why do you, did you choose that quote? How does it relate to transformational therapeutics? Well, it goes back to perception. And for me, choosing what to perceive or how to perceive something or choosing just to perceive something differently from how you've perceived it all along, then determines a different outcome. When I say the fact of choice is deterministic, it means that it determines that you have power within an outcome. It doesn't mean you will know what the outcome is, but in initiating it, you will have power that you wouldn't otherwise have had. So when thinking about transformational therapeutics and using language and using all of these tools that we've been talking about throughout each episode, is the end result choice? I think the end result is never choice. The end result is what happens because of the power of choice at the beginning. Ooh. So if I choose to see something differently, I may have the same outcome. This goes back, well, actually, to quantum physics. The observation of something can change the outcome, and I think that really works in the real world. If I empower myself to make a choice of what to pay attention to, hmm. and I talked about this in one of the other episodes, that it had to do with the prefrontal cortex being responsible for choosing what we pay attention to, choosing how to see something. And even if I can't change my perception immediately, knowing that I have a choice to see differently empowers me. It doesn't mean that the outcome will be different. It doesn't mean that the outcome will be the same. It simply means that in this place, actually in my own brain, I have a choice to see differently. 
So this is the beginning, really, that transformational therapeutics is teaching us that we do have a choice. And we do have a choice in perception. And in, in having a choice in perception, you have more of a choice about how you change your physiology. Because perception is so tightly associated with the limbic emotional parts of our brain. So it has a cascading effect on the emotions. How you choose to see something or perceive something impacts the emotional outcome and the physiological outcome. And it can be quite uncomfortable in the beginning because if you're changing habitual tracks in your brain that cause you to see a certain way, it can be very uncomfortable as you're changing them. Let's say you make the choice to see something differently and then you follow those steps and go through those processes. Could it then present you with another choice, like a new way? to either take new actions that are available to you because of the initial choice or a new way of seeing something in addition? Yes, and I think that's the whole point of knowing that you have the choice to see differently. It opens up new avenues. It's almost like if you're walking down a road and you see a fork in the road. Um, if you choose to take the fork it may open up other options that you didn't know about, particularly if you're the original walking down the road was on a road that you've known. And that's sort of how our wiring happens in our brain. We become habituated to certain ways of seeing. And when we choose to maybe see differently, it opens up other avenues and other possibilities. Sure, and that analogy normalizes the uncertainty and discomfort and even little scariness that might be of doing something new because you don't know for sure what's on the other side, yet there is potential for many more possibilities if you were to go through that discomfort. Yes. And then the other quote when I said, instead of making the assumption, make the observation, making an assumption really is relying on old ways of perceiving. I do it all the time in terms of judgment or you look at someone and we have opinions and they are dictated by our history. I mean, this is where taste comes in, and I don't mean literal taste. I mean, if you're looking at someone and you find them too skinny, there are ways of changing how you see them, and that gives you more options. It obviates the judgment piece. Many years ago, when I first got orthotics for my feet, and they didn't fit into a lot of shoes, and I had to choose a certain kind of shoe to wear for my orthotics to fit in them. I had to then choose, I didn't have to, but I, I chose other kinds of clothing to wear. So I couldn't wear high heels. So I switched over to different kinds of clothing. And instead of, it was really funny, instead of judging it, I just decided, well, I'm gonna say these are beautiful. I'm gonna say jeans are really attractive as opposed to a dress is really attractive. And that was choosing a different way of seeing so that it would make me more comfortable in this new way of being. Orthotics helped me on so many levels and made me feel more secure in my body. And so then choosing how I saw what I wore above the orthotics also helped comfort me. And I think that's how, I don't know why I'm going into fashion, but I think that's how fashion happens. Just imagine you know, some wild dress or something some designer makes, how does it become popular? You might look at it and say, oh, it's hideous. 
but you might also choose to play around with it. Hmm. And so when I say instead of making the assumption, make the observation, an observation has less judgment attached to it. It's simply an observation. Assumption carries what I would call baggage with it. And many of us assume things about other people, their language just by seeing them, by seeing their body language, their clothing, their makeup, the car they drive. I mean, we all do it all the time. Sure. I mean, I do it all the time on the road. You know, some guy goes by me on a Maserati and I have an opinion about that. And I assume something about the driver of that car. Whereas if I were able to just observe, oh, there's a Maserati going by. It, it has a different charge to it. And I think it empowers me in a way that I'm not empowered by making assumptions. Although we all have to make assumptions. But yeah, even observing the assumptions that we make gives us choice. Right. It presents information. Exactly. Then, then you learn about yourself like, oh, interesting. Right. Right. And then there offers you choice to perhaps dig a little deeper or work on healing that thing that presented itself or deciding that that is an assumption that you like to make or whatever, but it becomes a choice of yours. Or even just laughing at yourself. That's a choice when yeah. you're feeling powerless in a situation. Sure. And I think so much of what we do is so habitual that just creates a freedom. Knowing that you have choice in how you see creates a freedom. Absolutely. I can think of personally weather so much of us assume that a rainy day is, is gloomy and depressing and then assume that everything will be that way. But if you were to approach a gloomy day with, with observation instead of assumption, you might discover beauty that you never would have seen before. That's something that I choose to practice and that creates a positive feeling in myself Absolutely. when I do. Yeah. I would like to go back to the quote I mentioned in the beginning of this episode. And the quote is, the fact of choice is deterministic. Outcome is not. So can you define deterministic? The meaning of determine is to give a sense of direction or tendency. So, so the word determine itself comes from a sense of giving direction or tendency to. But what it means here is that choice itself opens up more options, but it will not tell you what the outcome will be. Can you define the word determine and help us understand this quote a little bit more? So to determine means to give direction or tendency. So what it's saying is that the fact of choice is deterministic means that in the actual choosing, you are opening up avenues that would not otherwise happen. If you don't believe you have choice, then the outcome is a given. Mm. But if you believe you have choice, then the, it determines that other outcomes are possible. Yes. Yes, that makes so much sense. And that to me is an aspect of being empowered. Right. Before, when you are not empowered, it's as if all your outcomes are chosen for you. It feels that way. And, and I think many of those outcomes are in our brains from early on in our lives. Mm. And we don't even know that we have a choice to see something differently. Mm. 
it's just so it's like belief systems that we've adopted as children and we don't even know where they came from right so in that instance we don't know that we have a choice to believe differently sure that makes so much sense could you talk a little bit more about those outcomes that we might be born with the first thing that comes to mind is young kids you know teenagers having a, a political belief system that they inherited from their parents that they just assume is the way to be. Or even something like racism is oftentimes not something that somebody consciously chooses to employ. I think that's an unconscious force that's been instilled in someone oftentimes for generations and they don't even realize it. So they have not chosen to become a racist. It's sort of been inculcated in them from early on or from the society. And that's a belief system that it, it does not really involve choice because you're not saying, oh, wow, I, I think I'll just be a racist today. It just comes automatically from your upbringing. Sure. And that's, that's a great example that's relevant in today's conversations that a lot of people are realizing that they have had these automatic assumptions and outcomes that they were unaware of and by learning that there is a choice. And it's also so true, I mean, it's the same thing is true with any ism, like sexism. I mean, there are many different isms that are inherent in our culture, in our society, and inside of us that we don't necessarily take the time to stop and examine. Sure. And so in that lack of examination, there is a lack of choice. You, right. you are articulating something that has been fed to you on some level from somewhere. And that, to me, is a lack of power. If you actually examine the evidence or whatever and make the choice to become a racist or a sexist, great. Then you can, you can define it, you can defend it. This is why I became a racist. I mean, it's a little ludicrous, but that would happen. If it's an automatic belief system, then it wasn't from choice. Mm. And I think our culture has a lot to do with that. Sure from millennia or from generations of being a certain way, depending on where you are in the culture. Yeah. It reminds me of a story of how a woman was making a ham dinner and she cut off the ends of the ham. And then someone asked her, like, why do you cook the ham like that? Said, well, that was how my mother did it. Then they ask the mother, why do you cook the ham like that? Well, that was how my mother did it. They ask the mother, why do you cook the ham like that? Well, it didn't fit in the oven. So I had to cut off the ends so it would fit. <laughs> so that's, that's a great example that comes through the generations of the woman who originally cut the ends off to make it fit had choice. And then her descendants, it didn't occur to them that they have a choice. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> and I think we do that all the time. Yeah. But I think in terms of transformational therapeutics, it's less about cutting the end off the ham and more about <laughs> interpersonal relationships and, and choice in, in perception. Yeah, that's funny. That's a great example. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oftentimes you hear people say, well, we've always done it like this without even thinking about it, without imagining that they have a choice. Right. And asking like, hmm, why do why? we do it this way? Or is there a better way? Is there another way even at all? And I think that goes to the point of why, asking the why, which many of us don't do. Why do you do it this way? Why is it like that? Why is 
I mean, we could apply that to almost anything in our culture. Why is it like that now? Sure. Why do you see something that way? I oftentimes ask myself that, and that leads me on a journey sort of inward from my upbringing. And I remember years ago, one of the esoteric healing teachers talking about finding the why behind the why. And when you just keep asking why, you finally come to an end point, which is the origin, just like the story you just told, the origin of the habit. Yeah. Or the lack of experience of another way of seeing or being. Right. And in some ways, a lack of imagination. If you're cutting the ends off a ham because that's what your mother did, you haven't really questioned yourself is that what I want to do? Mm -hmm. Does this serve me? Is there another way to do it? Why am I doing this? Right. That's a great example. So is asking questions like that one way to offer yourself some choice? Yes, absolutely. And I ask questions like that all the time. And in one of the other episodes, I think I talked about this. A question to me is an invitation to a journey. Mm -hmm. It's not a challenge. So I'm always asking questions because I sort of see myself as feral without a lot of experience in different fields. And so I'm always asking why people do what they do. How did you get there? Why are you doing that? And it empowers me to then compare it to myself and then see that there are other options. And that's choice. Right. It's, it's like when I started treating this little child that one of the first kids I treated was diagnosed with autism. And I'd never treated a kid like that before. And so I looked it up. I looked up the definition. And that helped me to see. And I had a choice to see differently. And then because of my background and understanding physiology and anatomy, I just started looking at it differently because otherwise I didn't have a lot of hope for this child. And I think choice provides you with hope. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it empowers us. It's sort of the hope of seeing something differently and therefore acting differently and not being stuck in an old way or a non-functional way of doing something. Sure. In the original analogy that you offered, if you're always on the same road, you know how it ends, and that can often be a little bit hopeless, even if it's comfortable, even if it's familiar. But the idea of offering yourself a new pathway to go to, there's hope of a better outcome. There's hope of something different that you haven't experienced. There's hope of something that you've wanted at the end of that road. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good point that seeing the bigger picture also enables you to have more choice. If you step back and, and look at a bigger picture, then you have more option for choice than if you're just doing it the way you've always done it. Yeah. It's like that old story about the elephant. I don't remember the story exactly, but they have the elephant, and then each person is right next to it, and this one sees a trunk, and this one sees yeah. just the skin, and when they all step back, they see the big elephant. Ooh. And I think also what's really important is to ask other people how they see things, particularly about yourself, so you can see yourself differently, and then you have more options for choice to change. I mean, And, and I think also to have variety of people that you interact with because it just provides more particularly in this world everybody's sort of in their own little clannish 
I find that somewhat boring. I love different kinds of people and different ideas coming around because it gives me more choice and more ability to see something differently and therefore make a different choice from the seeing. On a really fundamental level, it would involve just having the imagination that there is another way. Mm. And just entertaining that idea, there might be another way. And you may not want to take another way, but without the options of other ways, you don't have choice. So imagine there's a different way to do this. Ask, and then you have choice of, no, I'm going to go back to the old way, or this new way is pretty good. I mean, even your women with the ham, it apparently didn't occur to them that there was another way. And so if you told them, you know, you can bake a ham with the ends on it, then they would have had a choice one way or the other. Right. But in this case, they didn't even know they had a choice. It didn't even occur to them. Right. And that's a sort of silly example, but it's an excellent example. Right, right. It's so applicable to much deeper concepts. Right, right, <laughs> right. But so if you were to start with this information, the first thing you recommend is just entertaining the idea that there could be another way. Yes. And, and that particularly applied to your own physiology. For, for example, if you have arthritis, what are your pre-existing ideas about arthritis? Or what have the medical community told you about arthritis? What do you know? And is there perhaps another way of looking at it? Because so many people, oh, well, I have arthritis. I know, and it's like a death sentence. It's just like, nope, now I'm destined to have pain forevermore in that spot. That's what they do. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is no cure. Well, actually, I'll, I'll describe this woman that I, I may have done this already, treated years ago, and she had these feet that were sort of on backwards. They were so profoundly warped. And they were so bad that we couldn't put orthotics on them to give her some stability. And she was a nurse, and so she was on her feet all the time. And she was profoundly arthritic. And so I just started working because the body has such an ability to heal itself. And if you can change the forces on the tissues, the tissues change. So that's, it's like simple. And so over time, I changed the forces and she had bony changes in her feet. You know, it takes time, it takes input, it takes an understanding of the biomechanics of the bones and the feet and everything. But yeah, if you want to put the effort in, it can be done. I remember reading Deepak Chopra 70s I read him and he talked about in every seven years you have all new cells in your body so so why wouldn't you be able to change how they manifest <laughs> I never thought of it that way how, how did you think of it I mean I've thought of that and oh, I've heard that before and that's always been a mind-blowing thing to think about but put it in this context, it makes perfect sense. And also, I'm so functionally oriented. So if you've got new cells, why can't they function differently? Start over. I mean, I don't know. Right. But why not look at it that way? And, but that's, the, that's, I mean, this is like 40 years later to, to, do, to do a bone broth diet for my gut. And the purpose was to, because the cells turn over, I think, every three days in my large intestine, you're changing the cells. So that's three days. So arthritis might take... A year or two, I don't know, but I mean the 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 basic science is that the body two things: the body can change depending on the forces put on it, and the other is the body has a huge ability to heal itself if given the right input. Mm. And that right there, that piece of information offers so much choice, offers a new perspective to see that there is so much choice within your own physiology. 
And that there are wider possibilities than just, I'm in pain for the rest of my life. Right. There's this one pathway and that's it. And, And the other assumption, which I have to say, I have to counter, is that because you have arthritis does not mean that that's the reason you have pain. The two are very separate. They may be not separate, but they can oftentimes be separate. That is a deterministic view of arthritis, that I have arthritis, therefore I have pain, and it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's only one outcome with that right. deterministic You've determined view. that outcome by yeah. how you perceive it. Right. But if you perceive that arthritis was a result of abnormal wear and tear on the joint, that arthritis is can be a result of nutritional deficiencies, whatever, that can be changed because abnormal wear and tear on the joint, you change the force vectors and how the joint is used, changes everything. So by recognizing that you have choice and seeing something differently, you open up limitless amount of potential outcomes, really. Not necessarily always limitless. Right. But... Possibly. Possibly, because when I read about what can be done neurologically with different aspects of our brain, and I mean, in the book, The Brain That Changes Itself, there was a woman who had, her vestibular system was shot because of an antibiotic she had taken, and they retrained her brain by putting leads on her tongue so that she could then move around in a way she never had been able to. Who knows? Wow. Yeah, who knows? Like, if you get the right people working with you, who knows what the outcome can be? Sure. And if you're, I think if you remain open enough to the potential for more than one other outcome, then like you said, who knows? Who knows what is possible? 